How are you? Welcome to the Higher Training Podcast. This week I am lucky enough to be joined by Chloe Brennan. Chloe Brennan is a strong woman. She is England's reigning strongest woman at lightweight and she also recently competed in the Arnold Classic. Now, she's only 24. She's very new to strong woman and she's got a bright future ahead of her. We spoke about loads of topics including how she got into strong woman, why women shouldn't be afraid of lifting weights because you're not going to get bulky and a whole bunch of other stuff. That's enough talking from me. Enjoy this week's podcast. Boom, and we are live. Thank you very much for coming on, Chloe. I've given a little introduction before we came on, and for any of the people on your YouTube that are going to be watching this, they know you like to lift heavy shit, you like to lift heavy shit all around the place, run around with it, do whatever you need to do. But I'd be interested in finding out where that started and when did that start. Okay, so... It's a bit of a long story, but I'll try and cut it short. So <laughs> I've always been really sporty as a kid. Um, I did every sport under the sun, but was quite competitive in trampolining. So there's a discipline within trampolining called double mini trampoline. Um, and I got to lower end of national level there, which I think is where I found my competitive streak. Um, my partner was into the gym, but I was one of these people that was like, I'm not going to the gym because I thought I was broad, even though I'm not very broad. So I was like, well, I'll get even bigger if I go to the gym and I don't want to do cardio because I've got bad knees. So I was like, you classic, I don't know. I want to say classic female, but I don't know if that's the right <laughs> thing to say. Um, in that the gym was just scared the hell out of me. But anyway, ended up playing around, did a bit of body pump, which is still the hardest thing ever, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the boring is um, ridiculous, man. <laughs> It is. It's so bad. And then Matt, kind of, who's my partner, got me into lifting a bit heavier. He was at a strongman competition. Um, so I'm going to rewind a bit. Prior to that, I did something called all-round weightlifting. So it's a small association. It's called Iowa. And they do loads of really weird random lifts. And that's when I started actually moving weight. So I got up to like a 150 kilo deadlift in that, but my press was still... Um, quite low and that's where I found my love for kind of moving weight I found that I enjoyed it and I wasn't getting massive um it was just fun and then mm. in terms of starting strong woman I was kind of thrown in in a men's comp because they're a man down on a head-to-head -head deadlift um, <laughs> and I was like Chloe will do it so I did it I think I got like 20 reps that they dropped the bar to like 100 kilo or something like that um and I repped away and then someone was like, well, you'd be all right, strong woman. Why don't you come along to the gym and try it? And then I never escaped and I'm, I'm trapped there still. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking class. I love that. And just going to go back to something you mentioned, like a lot of females do have a fear of weights because they think they're going to put on like a load of muscle mass. They're going to end up looking like a bodybuilder. And it is a hard battle. Like I'm a coach and part of my battle sometimes is trying to convince people that it's not going to be like that it's not that easy if that was the case i'd be a lot fucking bigger than i am now but i was gonna say i wish it was that easy to put on size but it's just not <laughs> no it's not it's definitely not i'm glad you pointed that out um i'm sure you've obviously you obviously love lifting weights but it's the feeling of of lifting weight and challenging yourself um that's obviously what hooked you in and kept you coming back yeah definitely it's it's addictive and I think you you always set yourself a goal and once you hit that goal it's still not enough and it's just the idea of being able to push your body and see what it's capable of is something really exciting and also the thrill that you get 
I can't even, I think you have to have experienced it to understand it. But when you put down something really heavy, you just get like a complete rush of endorphins that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. A friend of mine once said, like, we were talking about deadlifts and, you know, people are like, oh, you don't need the deadlift, blah, blah, blah. And he, he was, he was saying, if you do a deadlift with good technique and you stand up at the top holding that heavy ass weight, it's not a feeling that you're going to be like, oh, I don't want to do that again. You're just like, I want that all the time. It's a fucking great feeling. Yeah. Over and over and over and over. <laughs> and over. One thing that I've only tried, tried a couple of times, um, lifting Atlas stones and, and shit like that, but stone lifting seems to be something you enjoy a lot as well. And you're, fuck, you're very good at it. I seen you're putting up a video the other day. What was it, 116 kilos? The stone. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna, you, you almost got to, I, I think uh, you'll be getting there in a few weeks. Obviously, isolation will probably give you, a, a, well, we're coming out of it a little bit, but it'll give you more time to work on that little tricky one. Yeah, I think stone lifting is just something completely different. And I mean, we went last year, this time last year, we did um, a stone tour around Scotland. Class. And I couldn't lift half of them. Um, <laughs> they were just too heavy, but I'm hoping to go back and get a few of them. But there's just so much history and culture that's around stone lifting that's very different to strongman because i think strongman is very um it's it's competitive and you compete in it because yes you want to kind of beat your own um goals and get better yourself but you're against other people and you want to beat them whereas in stone lifting it's completely that's got nothing to do with it it's just you and the stone and it's it goes back to kind of the they're called the manhood stones so at a time they were like a rite of passage for people and it's that kind of feeling that you just can't you don't get that in the gym you don't get in that in normal competition it's just the history that surrounds it makes it kind of i don't want to sound like a weirdo but it's quite magical and it's a an atmosphere that you don't really get anywhere else no you're not a weirdo i love history and one one thing whenever i saw i think it was the documentary stoneland uh yeah that's never um that like the history behind it that made me fucking i was like give me a stone. I want to fucking lift a stone after that. <laughs> like, I was like, you're putting two things that I love together, history and lifting. Like, it doesn't have to be weights. I always like, was like, oh, the gym base training, that's what I want to do. But from seeing shit like that, I'm like, I just want to lift heavy shit. It doesn't have to be a fucking barbell. And the weirder, the better. Um, yeah. You were speaking about that tour around Scotland. That's definitely something that I would uh, be looking to do. I don't think I have any hope of lifting them. I'll give them a go. But you, you pointed out one thing that was interesting. It's like each stone is like a different challenge. It's like you versus the stone. Mm-hmm. What, um, obviously, there, there's moments where you're like, oh, fuck, I'm not going to be able to do this or I'm going to give up. What do you be telling yourself in those sort of moments, even in competition? Um, I think you have to be a realist. Like if something's not going to happen, you need to be like, it's not going to happen. I need to step away. I need to work on it and come back to it. But if, if there's like a chance of it happening, I think you just have to put the doubt to to one side. And I was listening to a podcast with um, Ross Edgley and he was kind of saying that you have to, if you accept that something could go really, really wrong and that you could fail, then you're more likely to succeed because you don't have that doubt in your mind. So if I'm approaching a really heavy deadlift, and I know it might not happen, but I have to think the worst thing that could happen is that I don't pick it up. Mm. No one gives a shit that I didn't pick it up. I'm not going to die. 
that's the, literally the worst thing that could happen. So once you've accepted that, you can put like everything into going for it. And because you've got nothing left to lose then, whereas if you think, oh, someone might laugh at me or blah, 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 you put more pressure on yourself, then it just goes against you. So I think in those situations, I just accept it could go wrong and then focus on the task at hand and kind of get myself psyched up and really focus in and just get on with it. Absolutely. And you're touching on something there that I think is really important. People, a lot of people are afraid of failure. And when you're doing something, something like the uh, strong, uh, strong woman, you can't be afraid of failure because the chances are you're going to fail so many more times before you ever pick up that awkward object that they're asking you to uh, pick up or whatever it is they're getting you to do in a competition. Mm-hmm. Um, was that something that you've always kind of been good at, like accepting failure and moving past, or is that something you've only developed recently? something I've developed recently I was really awful at it so when I started strong woman I I got it rocketed my first year so I went in my first Midlands qualifier I won it I came second at England strongest woman and then I podiumed at Britain strongest woman as well so it's like a real really really good year and then the following year I just put so much expect like I thought everyone expected me to do well so I put loads and loads of pressure on myself thinking if I don't podium then I'm not good enough and people will think this and people will think that and it just put so much pressure on me and I just hated it I didn't enjoy training because I was just I was crying half the session thinking oh well I'm not good enough or comparing myself to what other people are doing and then um quite handy really I got injured (laughs) um and I had to go right down to basics yeah. And the thought of actually being able to compete again just filled me with excitement. And I was like, this is what I love doing. And if I'm putting so much pressure on myself that I don't enjoy it, then what is the point? So that's when I kind of learned that, okay, if I don't do well, then I don't do well. No one cares. When I was thinking I couldn't compete in England's Strongest Woman the following year, and no one cared. It was only me that was bothered. So I think we all put this pressure on ourselves, this external pressure and it doesn't it doesn't exist it's only coming from ourselves so if we can learn to kind of flip it around and think no and aim on kind of what we can do instead of what we can't do then you do a lot better and I mean I went out to the Arnold this year with no expectation because I'd injured myself like two weeks before I was like well I'm just gonna go and enjoy it and I managed to make final and come kind of top four in an international comp and I think part of that was due to not having any pressure on myself and just enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah, no expectations can be a very, very powerful thing sometimes. Um, mm. I try to approach, whenever I'm learning something new or trying a new skill or anything like that, I, I think it's important, or even coming back from an injury, you need to have that beginner mindset again. You need to you know, take everything as it is and try and learn all the stuff that you probably might have skimmed over a little bit before. And then you appreciate it a lot more when you get back to that situation. I'd say you're you're in your in your element at the Arnold. I'd say that was a serious experience. Yeah, it was amazing. It's something um, when I first started Strong Woman, before I'd even considered competing nationally, I'd like to compete at the Arnold would be like dream come true. That was my one aim, just to compete there, just to go. Um, and then I'd kind of watch it every year and think, can you imagine being in that top, top four? Can you imagine making <laughs> finals at the Arnold? So for me, when I found out I, I qualified to the top four, I'd, like there was an athlete area out the back and I'd let out this biggest scream. And I went back to my boyfriend after who was in the stands and he was like, was that you screaming? That was disgusting. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was 
it was incredible. Brilliant. And obviously, it's different comparing competition to competition, but what was that like in comparison to when you won the England Strongest Woman? Um, international competitions are just next level. Yeah. So over here, everyone is very friendly. We all get on, we're very supportive of each other. And I'd say that's true to an extent over there, but the competition is much more fierce. So like mm. when we were warming up for the yoke and the farmers, it's literally like every man for himself. No one's like, oh, do you want to go? It's like, get in, get warm, like just go. It's very fast paced. Um, the, it's less friendly. It's more competitive. And you know that it's a higher level, so you have to work harder to do better. Mm. So I was more proud of my fourth place at the Arnold than I was of my England Strongest Woman title because of how much harder I had to work to, to achieve it. Absolutely. And coming back from uh, injury. And when it comes to like injuries, uh, I work a lot with people like coming back from injury to get them back to regular training. And that process can be a challenging one. Did you find it really hard, like coming up to a competition like that for the injury to kind of come on? I'd say there was a couple of hairy days at the start, was there? Yeah, it was awful. So my training had been going really, really well everything had been spot on I'd hit everything I needed to and then I think it, it was like two or three weeks out and I'd gone through the deadlift event I put it down and I just couldn't move so my back had completely seized up and the following day I had to work from home because I couldn't I literally I couldn't even sit down walking was just agony so at that point I was thinking well everything was paid for I was going to the honor but I was like, I'm not going to be able to compete and it just it was really crap because it's like I've put in all this work and now I'm not going to be able to achieve anything. But I kind of, because it had been such a big goal, I just did everything and anything that I could to, to get the other side of it. So um, I was in touch with my sports therapist every day. He kind of phoned me and said, what are you, what are you doing? What, this is what you need to do. He, was, he um, bought a Compex machine and sent it to my house. He kind of fitted me into sessions to go and see him. My nutritionist changed all my food around so we could promote recovery and, and kind of um, sort of things that side. My coach adapted my program. So like my program was like air squats <laughs> like, <laughs> when I should have been peaking for the Arnold. So it was, it was a massive um, head wobble and I was really, really scared. But then once I could walk, once I could touch my toes, I was like, right, now we just do what we can. We go out to the Arnold and we're not, we're not aiming for top four anymore. We're just aiming to pick up the log, pick up the deadlift and do what we can. And like I say, I think because of that whole experience beforehand, just getting there was to be able to walk out onto the competition floor was amazing. So Brilliant. it was kind of a blessing in disguise because of that pressure gone, even though it was horrible in the build up to it. Yeah. And another, um, obviously, terrible right now with uh, coronavirus uh, at the moment but for a lot of people this has been a, a period that has kind of been a blessing in disguise um have you found that to be the case uh, or have you found that it's kind of been a hindrance to your training i know obviously it's a hard time to train you've been keeping yeah. yourself busy though i'd say obviously you can't train as intensely but maybe it's given you more time to play around with your training yeah it's a bit of both really so with training i luckily my um, Jim Rhino's gym have been amazing and they've kind of lent me some kit I had some of my own kit as well so I've been able to train um, my coach Jenny has adapted things so that I can do it at home but it hasn't been 
the same as what it would have been but I don't know a, a step back would be a good thing I mean I've had much more time to focus on mobility so I'm much more flexible than I was at the start of lockdown which is really helpful my hips don't hurt every time I stand up <laughs> so it's good in that way I've been able to focus it more on my nutrition as well because I'm at home so much I'm able to kind of plan better with my food mm. and also it's made me think about how much more I want to help others in fitness as well um so I'm starting a personal training course soon so I can get ah, the insurance seminars and things. So Happy days. Thing. there you go. There is a blessing in disguise and all. Andy, you, mm-hmm. you at the moment, you work with uh, children with autism. Am I right? Yeah. So um, at the moment I am a learning disability nurse and I work with children who have a learning disability and or autism. Oh, very good. And how long have you been doing that? Um, I've been working with people with learning disabilities since I was 19, so like five years. Um, and then I qualified as a nurse just under two years ago. So around two years, I guess, nursing. And what made you want to go down that route? Uh, well, I used to coach people with a learning disability in trampolining. So the club that I trained at had kind of a... Um, a section of it dedicated to mm. coaching people with disabilities and I just loved it I got real buzz off helping people and supporting people and making them happy doing that and I thought how can I do this so I did support work for a while which I loved but it was the career progression was very limited so mm. I thought how can I progress this um which took me into nursing so very good very good yeah that whenever I heard that in one of the recent podcasts you did it struck a chord with me my little sister has Asperger's and getting into trade working like kind of with with sport and exercise with individuals with like learning disabilities or uh, autism uh, is definitely something that I'd be interested in doing I'm sure obviously that might be something you'd be interested in in doing going forward you've obviously had a bit of experience in the past um you find that reward and obviously it's good for you to train but then obviously be able to give that to somebody else because we all know the benefits of finding uh, joy in training. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I think it's, I've worked, I've done like um, little workshops. I did one in a school and I did one in a college where girls were like, I did a, an exercise at the start and I said, if I said female weightlifter or strong woman to you, what does that look like? And they'd written up like um, big, manly, muscly, all of these things and they were like I would never want to do that and I stood at the front and I went well you've just said that about me because that's me and they were like <gasps> <laughs> and then we did like um, a workshop thing where I'd done a little circuit with some strong woman movements had like farmers walkers like a clean and press just really little kind of exercises and this one girl she, they'd been doing deadlifts in their circuit class and she hadn't been able to pick this bar up and on this day she'd put it over her head and the smile on her face was just incredible and I was I think it just shows like the power of the mind that she'd not been bothered and not been asked to pick this thing up. And the moment that it clicked and she got it over her head, she was just ecstatic and it just stuck with her. And she like, they all did me a little card and it was like, thank you, Chloe. You've really made me realize what I'm capable of. And I was like, that's why we do this. Absolutely. That's, that's what it's all about. And I think a lot of people don't realize like the benefit that training can have in the sense that I can show you what you're capable of and you can, you can get used to having to overcome failure in obviously a training environment and it comes out into life. Have you noticed that, like yeah. obviously competing at a high level, do you notice that has changed how you approach life outside yeah. of that? 
Yeah, I think my confidence has come on just leaps and bounds. I think before I got into strong women, I was very self-conscious. Um, I, I've always, been, I'm, I'd say I'm quite introverted, even though kind of social media things probably portray the opposite. But mm. I'm, I like being on my own. I get on with other people, but I'm not a massive social person. Um, but competing in strong women has allowed me to gain the confidence to kind of go up to people and speak to them because I've got things in common with people, but also just, mm. I don't know, just knowing what you're capable of fills you with a sense of I'm worth something. And I don't know how to say this without scrambling my words. I'm not very Target. articulate with these things, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's job. massively built my self-esteem. And I think that is in big part due to what I can do and knowing the achievements that I've had is like, yeah, you know what I have done well so I deserve to be confident like look what my body can do that's really cool rather than my previous attitude of oh I'm no good at anything and oh I've got this fat bit and all yeah. so yeah it's massively changed my kind of confidence and outlook on a lot of things brilliant and you touched on it a little bit there looking at what your body can do rather than how it looks and yeah that's a massive thing and I, I, I can resonate with that a little bit. I used to be a little bit of a chubby fellow whenever I was younger. And then I started training and lost a little bit of weight, started feeling a bit more confident about myself. And the exact same thing, focusing on what my body can do rather than how it looks and mm -hmm. knowing what you're capable of. That's part of the reason why I got into coaching because I want to be able to give that to other people. Yeah. What would be... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just about to say, whenever, like, I've got a lot of friends that kind of ask advice because they know what I do and they say, oh, Chloe, how can I lose a stone? Chloe, how can I get to a size eight? And I'm like, well, stop thinking about that number. Just throw that number out of, out of the park. What can you do now and what can't you do now? Let's focus on something that you can't do and be able to do it. By the time you're able to do it, that number probably will have changed, but you won't even care about the number because you'd be so happy about what you can now do. Absolutely, yeah. Focusing on getting stronger or getting fit or whatever it is that you're into on the training side of things. And then obviously that number will drop and you won't even care about it. Is right. That's yeah. the way I like to approach it. Um, people get focused on the number too much and even on how to look. But by how you feel and what you can do, that's the way I like to approach it. And I think yeah, you're, you're the same. Um, when it comes to some experiences that you've had, obviously, on the journey, you've gotten lucky enough to be able to go to places like Westside Barbell. What, what was that like? strange <laughs> um so when we went there we'd all just competed so i'd done a three-day competition so i couldn't lift anything i was weak as anything but just being there was really cool it was it was quite quiet when we went actually um but one of the guys that trains there was chatting with us about kind of how they train and what they do and it was just really interesting kind of knowing that you're in a place that's so famous it was just really cool because we were debating not going and then I was like how can we be 10 minutes from Westside Barbell and not go like come on guys we need to go um, and then Louis Simmons pulled in just as we were leaving so we just missed him uh, oh well good old Louis if anybody hasn't watched uh, Westside versus the world you need to get it out that is a serious watch <laughs> interesting approach <laughs> very interesting approach but a lot of people get that sort of approach early on, maybe not to the intensity. Very few people will reach that intensity, but you know that, just lift it and 
uh, technique, not technique goes out the window. That's not what they are about. But a lot of people do approach training like that. Yeah. When it comes to when it came to early on when you're uh, learning a lot of these skills, did you uh, did you kind of try and go for the heavy stuff early on, or did you take it kind of slow? Or what was the thought process early on? I trained like a meathead when I started. <laughs> um, the I, it was the gym I went to, so the the gym I started at was um, full of big strong men. Dave Meir was one of them. People might know of him. He competed at kind of UKs and all of those things back in the day. So he trained like a big man would, shifting really heavy weight, and everything was kind of about brute strength. There was an element of technique, but it was we're going to lift and kind of you know that real macho. Ah, <laughs> what you think of a strongman gym um and i got stronger but i was left with a lot of imbalances so i had massive lats because i've been doing these really heavy rows but i had no front delt so i just looked really imbalanced and really strange um <laughs> and that's when i started working with my coach jenny todd who we take a much more holistic approach and we do do those heavy movements but we also focus on the real um the, the more finer details and do a lot more stability work and all of those things as well. It's a more well-rounded approach. And I've definitely, I think my longevity in the sport will be improved Absolutely. from that approach. Absolutely. I think a lot of people in almost every sport neglect looking after like, you know, imbalances or mobility or whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. I find that a lot in strength sports, any of my friends that are involved in strength sports, when I mention mobility, they start laughing. <laughs> so important. So important. Um, one thing, obviously, a, str a strong man, a strong woman is not like a, a seen as like a very stereotypical thing for females to do. And I think it's great that you're challenging those stereotypes. Um, did you get any pushback early on when you're trying to do a strong woman or was everybody around you quite proud that you were going to do something like that? It was really mixed. I think I've never been one to kind of fit the gender stereotype anyway. Mm. Like when I was a kid, I was a real tomboy. And then once I started wearing dresses and makeup, I think my mum thought, I'm going to have a little girl <laughs> <laughs> until I started doing Strong Woman. Um, and I think no one was negative about it, but I think people were like, oh, like you're going to get really big and just questioned it. But the more that I've done it, the more those people have kind of been like, oh, this is really cool, but it's more people that I don't know that have something to say, to be honest. Mm. Um, on the internet, all of us that compete get trolls. I don't get it so much, um, but like this post that have gone viral and they're just full of, she's a man, look at minute one something, you can see her penis, um, you're a fake, those weights aren't real, you must be on steroids, all of this stuff. And I've had men that I've met and when they find out what I do they're like oh well you don't want to do that because you're a lovely looking young girl and you're going to ruin yourself if you do that and that's not a girl's sport why are you doing that but I think to be honest all of that just makes me want to do it even more <laughs> absolutely give them the finger walk on <laughs> that's it they don't know anything about it they're just not educated so absolutely it's not an opinion worth listening to no absolutely it's important to block out block it all that and you're obviously shining a light on something that's very important which is 
don't be afraid to challenge those stereotypes. Too many people don't do uh, anything, uh, including, uh, well, not stereotypes in my case, but I was afraid to do this podcast as I was thinking about what people are going to think, what they're going to say. I was like, fuck mm. it, why the hell not? Like, you know, if you want to do something, just do it and nobody else matters apart from what you think about it. That's it, definitely. Do you find the mental side of competing to be something challenging or is that something that you, you find you're, you're quite good at? You must be okay at it at this stage. <laughs> what did you say? The mental side. The mental side, like uh, coming up the competition, do you get nerves? Um, what's that uh, experience like? Yeah, I get nervous. I think, but I think that's a good thing. Like if I wasn't nervous, I'd be more worried because it would suggest that I didn't care. Mm. I think it's just learning to control the nerves. Um, if you let them get to you, you'll mess up and you'll make silly mistakes, which we've all done. Bretton Strongest Woman last year was a perfect example for me. There was events that I was really, really good at and could have won that I just messed up because I was thinking about it too much. Um, so, and I, I don't think it's something that I necessarily am better at now than I was at the start. I think it, it varies. Sometimes I'm really on it and I can really control everything. And other times it's more difficult. It just depends on the day where you are, who you're competing against. Um, at the Arnold, it was great because I didn't know anyone that I was competing against. So I didn't know what I was going against and who I could beat and who I couldn't beat. Whereas when I'm competing in this country, I know everyone and I know what they can do. So it's, you think about it a bit more then. Yeah. Well, it's, it's every competition or everything like that is going to be different. Like it's all, mm -hmm. so many factors go into it. Um, but I, I think, I think uh, one thing that works for me whenever I have something that's coming up that's obviously not as big as strong woman events, but I think routine is an important thing um, for me anyway. Do you have any routines or even morning routines that you kind of do to keep you, keep you in order? Um, I have like my mobility and stuff, which is um, a constant kind of physical side of things. But I've recently started looking into Wim Hof and his breathing techniques and cold therapy techniques to try and focus on my mental game. So he does um, this breathing exercise, which is like three rounds and you do 30 big breaths in and kind of shallow out and then big breaths in. So you're kind of increasing the oxygen um, in your blood and that's meant to increase kind of mental clarity and focus and stress reduction. It's meant to help recovery and things as well. So I'm on day two. So I'm hoping that that will kind of, help a bit with my mental game yeah. and it kind of it just brings you into a bit of a meditative state so trying that out what's the worst that can happen exactly no i think they're working on breeding whatever sort of method you're going to use on is is, is rarely wasted time breeding is very important and it's mm -hmm. even more important when you're lifting heavy 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 things to be able to manage your breeding and to be able to brace yeah. properly um was it was something like that, like being able to brace when you're lifting heavy lifts? We're going more into the deeper the training side of things here. Uh, was bracing to lift those heavy things something that was strange for you because you'd come from a gymnastic background, which would be slightly different. You're you're moving your own body weight, and now you're lifting these inanimate objects. Yeah. So in gymnastics, you've seen everyone with the classic banana back. Um, mm. In lifting, you you don't want a banana back. So that's something I've really had to work on. I've done so much rehab and prehab work on my positioning. Um, bracing wasn't something I was taught to begin with. So I wore a belt, but I didn't really know how to use it properly. So whenever I'm kind of, um, if there's new people that come to the gym, 
I'm like, right, before you do anything, learn how to brace because it will protect you and will save you a lot of pain and discomfort in the future. And I think it is something that's really difficult to grasp. I was with my mum and she was like, oh, I'm doing squats. I said, show me the squat. And her position was just all out. And it's not because she's rubbish. It's just because she's not being taught it. And it is something that's so hard to get the hang of, but it's so, so important. And I think it's missed a lot in novice lifters and needs to be put in early to avoid what happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we all know what the first thing you're going to be uh, teaching any of your personal training clients. That's just going to be bracing, <laughs> bracing. bracing for two, three weeks. <laughs> bracing and using your bottom. That's yeah. it. Two yeah, Bs. actually, that's the other one. Using your bottom. I've heard you say that one quite a bit. Those two are massively important if you're going to lift, so, uh, lift something heavy. Um, mm-hmm. Glutes aren't just for, you know, you're not just there. They're not just there for doing kickbacks and banded work. They're there for lifting the heavy things as well. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, when, when it comes to finding balance with obviously you work uh work a job and then you also nearly have a second job which is strong woman how do you find managing that and then obviously you need to have your own life outside of it yeah in lockdown it's been quite nice but when when the world's at kind of full pace it's hard and i always say it's like having two full-time jobs because you're having to constantly think about your nutrition you're having to think about your recovery you're having to think about your training your sleep and it's so when I'm kind of normally um, working, I'll work, I'll train after work and then I'll come home, cook, do my mobility. And that's every day, apart from I have one rest day and every other week of that, I'm going for hands-on physical treatment. So I get like one evening every two weeks to myself to chill. So it's, it's a lot. Um, it is really hard. And I think, I don't think there's, um, I managed to balance it, but it's not, easy i wouldn't say it's a nice kind of relaxing life but when you want something then you dedicate your time to it don't you when you work for it so absolutely yeah you have to make some sort of sacrifices to get get the top level of anything and you obviously have aspirations to go even higher than you are at the moment so a one one evening every two weeks isn't too bad it's not too bad (laughs) It's nice. <laughs> it is nice. Absolutely. And one thing you touched on as well with uh, all of this, we're getting a little bit more time to spend at home. You're going to find it hard going back to the way it was before after all this. I think so. I think it's been, it's made me reflect a lot on things actually. It's, I don't ever just sit down and relax. Like, I'm, And I think I'm always so highly strung and so stressed and I need to find a way to make more time for myself and whether that's because we do, we spend so much time, don't we, on our phones. We're all guilty of it. Spend and we'll spend an hour just scrolling through. And after that hour's up, like, what have I actually done? So it's made me kind of realise I need when I do have time, I need to make the most of it. So rather than scrolling through my phone for an hour, go out and have a walk and spend some time with my partner and actually make a conscious effort to sit and talk rather than just scrolling mindlessly and not achieving anything. Absolutely. Uh, that's something a lot of people are struggling with right now is there's too much time to it's so easy to just get hooked in you look at something like one notification and then an hour's gone and you're like what what happened there where did the time go yeah <laughs> yeah but I, I think that just comes down to obviously using your time wisely it's hard not to get sucked into it i do it all the time and i mm-hmm. something i've consciously tried to do is have a few moments throughout the day where i'm actually doing nothing so i can have a conversation yeah. or i can listen to a tune or whatever just go for a walk 
because you know that's only going to benefit everything else. You need that time where there's just nothing happening. Yeah. You've learned some interesting lessons uh, to pass on to personal training clients anyway. I have to say that. Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. And is that something that you've wanted to do for a while or is it only a recent thing that you've kind of decided to make? Yeah. It's something I've been thinking about for a long time. I mean, I love all things exercise. I'm really passionate about it. I'm really passionate about getting other people into it. Um, and I wanted to do more seminars and things, but to do the seminars and things above board, you have to have the insurance. And then someone asked me, it was on a podcast with British Strength Magazine, and they were like, do you ever want to do this as a job? And I was like, I'd love to get paid for this. Like, it's my passion. Mm. Um, but I need to do this and this. And I was saying, I need to do this. And I've been saying, I need to do this for a long time, but I've just not done it. Um so it's just about actioning those thoughts and taking small steps and seeing where it takes you. So it is something I've wanted to do for a long time, but it's just, it's risky, isn't it? So yeah, it's going to start off small, do some kind of one-to-one -one technique sessions, maybe a couple of programs um, and see how it goes. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people to looking to learn off you. Plenty of people yeah. looking to learn off uh, England's strongest woman. And you've spoken about it there love if you love training and you love exercising you love getting people in to do it so why would you not want to have a job that is exactly that mm. and i love my nursing as well it's not to say i'd i'd leave yeah, that yeah. but to be able to kind of combine passions and and whatnot and see where it takes me is exciting absolutely you don't you, you strike me as somebody who likes to have a few different things going on at once i can i'm just too indecisive that's my problem <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Some of us are just designed to have a few different things to keep us entertained. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I will finish off with a series of questions now. These, these might go on for a little while. That's why I left plenty of time for them. Uh, what's the one thing that you've done? Obviously, you know, lockdown restrictions are going to start opening up a little bit, I think. And But what's the one thing you've done since they kicked in that you wouldn't have done otherwise? You're probably touching some of them already. Yeah, sorting myself out, doing... A personal training course so I can do what I love that's the, the main thing and then this um like breathing and meditating thing as well something I probably would have just thought oh, I haven't got time but it only actually takes 10 minutes so it's going to be easy to implement once absolutely on. and I will be asking you how that's going because I might implement something like that uh, my morning routine big on morning routines lately I've been tinkering with them since lockdown came in and breathing and meditation is something I'm, I'm gonna add in I think yeah it is uh, good. It just puts you in a good good state of mind for the day. Absolutely. Um, don't know if you're big or, or well, maybe you wouldn't have had time before, but you might have had time now, but what's the best movie or documentary that you've watched since lockdown kicked in? Oh, we watched a film called Foreigner, which was very good. And I'm not, I'm not big into action films, but it's got like Jackie Chan in and that was, that was very good. Oh, is that uh, one in Ireland? Is, is that what it is? No? Uh, yeah, Ireland. it's it. Yeah, it does have. It's all about like the IRA and. Ah yes, yes. It's not, Brosnan. it's not about the IRA, but it comes into it quite heavily. Yeah, yeah, that's so actually basically a very. The IRA good. killed this guy's daughter, and then he's after them. So that was that was good. And documentary. I'm just an absolute documentary whore. Like I watch them all the time. <laughs> I love it. Some. Come on. I, don't, I don't think I could say a favorite because I just. I like them all. <laughs> Recent one. The last one you watched then? Oh, the last one I watched. I can't even think. But 
actually it's not one that i've watched during lockdown but my favorite one i think i've watched most interested is about basque lifting have you heard of it of what lifting basque lifting no so i think it's based in france and it's like a an old tradition that they have and they lift stones and they're like it's part of the stoneland series so you can find it on netflix oh and they they pull like 300 kilos up to their shoulders so they're like specially shaped stones and they have suits and stuff and they just whack them up so that was like super interesting because it was just like how on earth do they do this and then the history and the culture that goes with it so that one's worth checking out you like your history that's one one thing i have to say i respect anybody who likes history <laughs> it's interesting has was that something have you always been inter- interested in history is it only started kicking in when it came to like you know stone lifting and that side of things uh i think i've always enjoyed elements of it i never really enjoyed it in school because i felt like it's forced upon you but then when i'd go to different places i'd be like oh this is really so i've always found it interesting but didn't necessarily like learning about it <laughs> although i did do history at a level so kind of enjoyed it <laughs> Kind of, yeah, yeah. You can only enjoy school so much. <laughs> school <That's> subjects. <laughs> uh, don't know if you're big into music, but do you have like a favorite album or even a favorite artist? Um, I'm big on music, so I'm always trying to get new bands or new albums from people. Uh, yeah, I used to love music. So before I was like into my sport and stuff, I'd be at gigs every other weekend. Um, nice. Love it. So I think... Best gig you're ever at. Uh, yeah, Kasabian were immense. Unreal. Absolutely incredible. Well, Cortina's always put on quite a good show as well. Mm. And Foles, I'd say, are probably the best three bands I've seen live. Class. I did go see Steps too, and that was pretty good. So, <laughs> very taste. Nothing wrong with a bit of cheese. <laughs> That's it. So, what's the, what's the best album then? Or oh, your favourite album? favorite album or whatever you can remember it's hard being put on the spot i know <laughs> yeah cortina's falcon is always a classic isn't it like you can't not cla- not falcon st jude you can't go wrong right. with that album it's just a feel good boppy i'm always in the mood for that so i'll go with that for now class i haven't heard it so i'll add it to my list that's the first one that I that somebody's mentioned that I actually didn't know. So this is good. This is what I want. I don't want to hear ones that I already know. I want to hear new ones. <laughs> uh, don't know if you're big on quotes, but do you have like a quote that kind of resonates with you or kind of sticks with you? A what? A quote? A quote, yes. Um, oh, there was one the other day and I can't remember it. I don't think I'll, I'll kind of read them and think, oh, that's interesting. Mm. And I take the idea from it, but I never actually remember what it says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I don't think I could come up with one for right Probably. now. Just the kind of the, the philosophy earlier that I was on about, about accepting failure to, to progress. So like, but going into a bit more depth with that, it was really interesting. They were saying basically when ninjas went into battle, they had to accept the fact that they were going to die. Mm. And then, so then once they'd accepted, I could die and I'm okay with this, they'd put like everything into the battle. So I like that kind of philosophy and that perspective on things. Not that I'm okay with if I was going to die. I'm not going that far, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, that no, kind of thought. I feel you. 
I feel yeah. Uh, there's a I'm big into mixed martial arts, and there's a fighter, Justin Gaethje. He fought a few weeks back, and he said to his uh, like team before, he's like, I'm willing to die going into this ring. And to a certain degree, you need to think on those sort of lines, or like maybe not that you're willing to die, but you're willing to fail. Let, let's put it in the simpler terms. Not all of us are willing to die. <laughs> the only way you can put everything into something, isn't it? If you're not scared, if you've got the slightest fear of failure, you're going to hold back a little bit. I think so. Absolutely. If any, if people are going to take away one message, that's the one thing. Don't be afraid to fail. Except it's going to happen at some stage, and just move past it. Learn the lesson. Yeah. And that that is all the questions for me. Thanks very much for coming on. I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, where can people find you or see what you're doing? I know you started a YouTube recently as well. Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm just at Chloe Brennan with an X at the end, and then I've recently started up. A YouTube channel as well. It's I'm a bit lost with it to be honest. I don't really know what I'm doing. I've got lots planned, but I can't do any of it while I'm in lockdown. Um, <laughs> but you can find me, Chloe Brennan, Strong Woman, and there's a few bits on there at the moment. I tried a CrossFit workout and me trying on clothes and doing silly things. So it's worth checking out. Perfect. Thank you very much.